Hello, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. This is Rob Case and Trevor Koppel. Trevor, welcome to the Super Bowl week, man. I mean, it's kind of the most bittersweet week of the sports calendar. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fair to say. I mean, it's it's right up there with uh, your team being done for the year, uh, but even a little bit worse because there's just nothing left after this. It, is it bittersweet to have your team lose and never have not be able to watch them for eight months, or is it just in the case of you and my, you and me, right now? Oh, definitely, it definitely uh, definitely stings when your season's <laughs> over. Is it bittersweet though? I mean, does it feel good? I mean, I don't know what bittersweet means. Uh, no, no, it's not bittersweet. It's just bitter. It's just. Bitter. It's like, how do you not know what bittersweet means? You're like almost forty. You know, there's a lot of things I'm learning <laughs> just now. Uh, but that's that's for like, another podcast. Ah, uh, knowledge in general. Um, yeah, man. I tell you what, it's like I said, bittersweet for. I think most football fans, because let me let me be honest with you, man. It's uh, the, the the season is twenty one weeks long, right? Um, twenty two actually, twenty two weeks long. Golly, um, a little too long for my liking. I love football, but come on, twenty two weeks. And you know, we're on here every week, except for weeks where I get COVID and Trevor's barely hanging on <laughs> with some non equivalent illness, but still call, calls out. Um, you know, and um, I got to tell you, it's it's a grind, man. Not to do the podcast, but it's a grind. Grind to watch this this season. It's a grind to follow it. Grind to come up with all the drama and follow all the drama in between thirty two teams. And uh, being part of the NFL media, we didn't even get, we didn't even get an invite to Radio Row this year in Vegas. What's up with that? Shame. Part of the radio, part of the NFL media, the most important part of the NFL media. And by the way, Radio Row is held in a Wendy's because this is a niche sport. It's definitely not a big deal. Um, <laughs> and I'll be damned if I don't make it next year. But in the meantime, um, yeah, biggest week of the year, man. Hundreds of millions of viewers for this niche sport. And, um, yeah, a lot of coverage. So uh, let, me, let me ask you this. What's your – well, let's, uh, let's have a little fun here, right? Let's do a little icebreaker. What's your favorite um, Super Bowl memory that you have? Oh man, that's tough. Um, there's so many good Tell ones. What? Um, I, I don't think I could put one at the very front. Uh, there's some really great ones. Um, I think uh, uh, you know the Titans getting stopped on the one yard line as time ran out. That was that was one of the best finishes to a Super Bowl I ever saw. Um, I had an absolute great time being one of only two people rooting for uh, the uh, Colts over the Bears in a house full of Bears fans. That was a really, really fun day because the Bears lost. Um, and there's some good ones. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um... Watching uh, Tom Brady come back from was it twenty eight to three? Uh, that was that was absolutely incredible because you just couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, there's been some good ones. Oh yeah, no no question. Um, I'm not, I I could go on. There's six six memories that um, you know hold truest to me. 
Uh, number one is um, Russell Wilson throwing the ball, interception, Super Bowl, whatever that was. Oh, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's one of my favorite ones. If not, that's probably my favorite game of all time at Super Bowl two. Um, Super Bowl thirty six, uh, New England and St. Louis. Uh, Adam Van Terry kicking the game winning field goal in that game. Um, let's see here, Super Bowl thirty eight. Adam Van Terry kicking the game game winning field goal in that game. Super Bowl thirty nine, Donovan McNabb taking his sweet time getting back to the line of scrimmage, even though he's down two scores. You know, like final minutes of the game, right? I remember that. Um, let's see here. Huh. Uh, I liked that. Remember when the Colts and the Saints played in the Super Bowl? Tracy Porter had that interception on Peyton Manning. Turned it for a touchdown. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like that one. Uh, I always thought that was a really crappy game. But um, that, just because he did some, like, dance in the end zone, I always thought that was a lot of fun. Um, you said Titans-Rams. That, that was, like, the first Super Bowl. No, no. Not the first sentient Super Bowl for me. I'm trying to think. Probably. Um, well, I mean, obviously, New England and Green Bay, because it was like five. I remember that Super Bowl pretty well. Um, John Elway taking a helicopter spin in the air. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, that was pretty that was, awesome. That was, a, that was a fun one. Um, or how about just him being carried off the field, right? They won the, the one against Atlanta. Um, and then, like... What was that one? I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Willie Parker's, you know, big touchdown run. Seattle versus Pittsburgh. I like that one. How about this one? Uh, Santonio Holmes with the catch against Arizona. The toe tapper. Oh, yeah. The most impossible catch ever. That was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had some good ones lately. You know, my favorite memory of last year's Super Bowl was? What was that? Defensive pass interference on James Bradbury. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember that, but left corner in the end zone, right? Uh, Bradbury's covering – who did he cover? I think it was like Montez Valdez-Scantling, right? And then they just throw a flag because he like barely grabbed his towel. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good old, good old refs, man. You know, the good old refs. Um, well, I'll tell you what, man, before we get into the – the discussion of this year's Super Bowl and all the stats and stuff. Got a lot of things to talk about before we pick the game. Um, do you think the refs are going to be involved in this game at all? Are they going to be a factor? Should we consider them a factor? And maybe that's uh, a, it's you know, kind of inevitable. Facet. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a factor. Um, there, there's just no reason to think that like the Super Bowl would be the game where they're not. I feel like they're a factor every week in every game, which is one of the things that this league really does need to figure out. Um, the 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 penalties called are just to, to anybody watching more than just their team every week it's pretty obvious and even then it can become obvious but if you consume the whole league it's it's glaringly obvious that that the penalties are wildly inconsistent game to game and even quarter to quarter so uh i i've got no reason to think that this that this super bowl will be any different um yeah god i can't it's uh, what how do you feel about even talking about it i mean talking about like the reps it's uh it gets a little tiresome and and i think the the reason i i uh you know just 
kind of feel beat down talking about the problem with the reps is that I don't really have a solution. Um, I'm sure some people uh, have suggestions and ideas on how to improve the officiating, but I I don't I don't know what we I don't know what what they should do, uh, but they got to do something. How do you? I guess my question you're not gonna have the answer to this either, right? Because inevitably this is sort of almost rhetorical to some degree at this point. But when we talk about the reps, you say we don't have a solution. Um, that's that's fair. Uh, you know I understand that there's 32 crews, right? These guys are part-time reps for some odd reason. The only the only sport in the country where the reps are part-time. Um, and I think we've said in the past that it, you know it's a difficult game to call. I mean, these guys are what you know, like the greatest athletes on earth, and you're putting like old people out there to watch them. You know, make sure they don't like tug on each other and stuff, which is just impossible, nonetheless. Um, but let me ask you this, right? When you get to the Super Bowl, like. Is there any excuse for the refereeing to be bad? Because hypothetically, you're just picking the all stars of the ref, the referee crew. You know, to call the biggest right. game of the year. Now, I think we've so, talked about this once before. Um, I, I think it would be better if these officiating crews were like like teams, and you know the <clears throat> the the ones that do the best, you know, screw up the least they make it to the playoffs and the ones that continue to do better than the rest, they make it to championship weekend. And then eventually the crew that has performed the best made the fewest game altering mistakes, the fewest controversial calls. Uh, They should be the ones to officiate the Super Bowl. It's still not going to be perfect, um, but I'm not for, uh, picking and choosing from the different crews to put together an all-star crew. I don't think it works that way. Um, I think it should be the best officiating crew, not the best members across multiple officiating crews. Does that make sense? No, I think what you're saying is, is that once you put the, uh, regardless of, okay, so you put together an all-star team, right? Right. Um, the problem is these guys haven't worked together. Exactly. You know? so, That's exactly what yeah, I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no continuity, um, and there's no way to really test them because if you throw, you got to throw them right into the game. You know what I mean? And I think that's what you're saying. You have to throw them right into the game, and that's how you know they're going to work. But if they're never called, this is what PI looks like to me. This is what holding likes looks like to me. This is what this penalty looks like to me, and so on and so forth. There's no continuity. There's no, yeah, just groupthink for lack of a better term on some of these uh, penalties. Then you're just going to get, you're going to get what you get every year in the Super Bowl, which is. I would say some pretty subpar refereeing, man, for the biggest game of the year. And I, we talk. Well, you don't say it. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I mean, I'll say maybe it. you maybe you would like to. I, I say it a lot. I, I think like the NFL. It's a billion dollar, um, you know, organization, or you want to call it uh, nonprofit. <laughs> um, but like the fact that it is is like damn near miracle because the way they run it is like a freaking joke half the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, we don't have to get into this discussion because now we're talking about the Super Bowl. Maybe we're just trying to get out our end of the season, you know what I'm saying? Trauma here, but <laughs> it's, it is, you're going to, you like, I think your, your point is, is absolutely correct. And that's the way they should do it. 
put together the best crew, um, or put on, put on the best crew. Don't put together an all-star team because that's just not how it works, you know? Yeah. They're not going to communicate as well as they should, and I don't know how the NFL doesn't know that, you know? So instead, we're, we're stuck with this, like, I don't know. You get James Bradbury making a DPI at the end of the game, um, and that costs the Eagles a game, and, it, and I think it happened against uh, the Super Bowl prior to that, too, right, with Cooper Cup in the back of the end zone. So, um, yeah. I don't know what to say, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a problem. Uh, and like I said, I, I don't have, like, like, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, it's so obvious what they should do. Um, it's so simple. Why is everybody else so stupid? Like, I don't feel that way. Um, cause it's, it's a tough job and it's a tough situation they're facing right now to figure it out, but they got to do something. Uh, something has to change. Um, cause the league will reach a tipping point where people are going to say, why am I getting so emotionally invested in something that is, you know, so up in the air at the whim of, uh, of people that are inconsistent, uh, when I could be, you know, supporting one or the other big sports where they don't have this issue. Uh, you know, and to be fair, I, well, I, I mean, I think, I don't even know if you can make that argument because I think every sport has this issue. You know, like the ums and will be suck. I think for the most part, I think everybody would agree with that. The NBA referees are too ticky-tacky. They call everything, you know. I think the only sport that's major, and whether or not you want to call it major, because I think that's kind of debatable at this point, is hockey, you know, um, or like professional wrestling. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's bro. what we're going to compare it to. You know, yeah, brother. The friggin' refs in professional wrestling are more consistent and better at calling the matches than the friggin' NFL refs, which is crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe the, the NFL will get their head out of their butt, you know? That's me knocking on wood, by the way. Probably won't happen. So you're going to have to hope that, you know, that happens. But And, and we spent 10 minutes talking about the refs. I mean, this is what it is. This is what it is. So... Um, hope they're not a factor. It's definitely worth noting and worth venting about. So let me so let me throw some stats at you here, Trevor. Okay, um, <clears throat> leading up to the game, there's a lot of different sort of storylines and things going on, and we're going to go ahead and pick apart some of the things I think that are going to be a big deal when it comes down to uh, matchups in the Super Bowl. Because if you watch, if you listen to last year's show, the year before the Super Bowl. Um, we know that matchups basically make this game. That's why people tune in Super Bowl, other than just being the Chiefs and the 49ers. You want to see Kelsey versus Fred Warner, right? Mahomes versus the 49ers defense, defensive line of the Niners against the offensive line of the Chiefs. Chris Jones versus somebody on the San Francisco offensive line, right? George Karloftis versus Trent Williams. Um, you know, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk versus this really good Chiefs secondary and defense. So let me throw you at this first, Trev. And, you know, I, we don't have to say is one better than the other, but just let's just look at this matchup from a critical standpoint, right? You get the Chiefs defense, 17.3 points per, per game allowed in the regular season. Yards per game, second in the league. Points per game, second in the league. Going against the 49ers offense, 28.9 points per game, third in the league, and first in the league in yards, right? So what do you think? What do you make of that matchup? How, how does that? How do you think this works out? Just in terms of cross the board offense versus defense. 
Well, when it, when it comes to, you know, the entire uh, squad, offense versus defense, um, I tend to look big picture, and the way I see it, uh, I give an edge to the competition in the AFC. Uh, so if I'm taking one over the other, I'm going to take the uh, Chiefs' defense over the Niners' offense. Um I think the Chiefs defense faced tougher offenses than the than the 49ers offense faces tough defenses. Does that make sense? I, you don't have to agree sure. with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so sure. <laughs> so that's that's the way I'm leaning there. I'm I'm going to take the uh the Chiefs defense in that one. It's a good pick. Um Chris Jones, right? First team all-pro. Uh Chris Jones. Jerry Sneed, Chris Jones, right? Yep. Second team all pro, um, Trent McDuffie, first team all pro, nickel nickel cornerback, uh, Mike Edwards, good safety, George Harloftis, I mentioned earlier. They got another guy on the defensive line that's got around ten sacks. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a good it's a good unit. Um, what do you make of this? So, San Francisco 10, 30, 30 plus points per game. Uh, ten thirty plus point games. That's a hard one to say. Third most in the NFL. And uh, put up thirty against Detroit two weeks ago. Good defense, I think everybody would say. What do you what do you make of that stat? I think uh, I think what they did against Detroit is the is better than that season stat. Um, because you know, like I said, you got to think about who they're playing. Because uh, you know, you play some of these NFC squads, and I'm not surprised. That a, that a roster like the Niners can put up 30-plus points. Um, but, like, they really – and this is going pretty far back in the season. They really struggled to put up points against the Vikings defense. Um, so, you know, I, I, these these season-long stats, they, they're not nothing. They're not meaningless. Uh, but I, I'm more impressed by what they did uh, last week on the big stage on – Oh, they were not on the road. They were they were hosting, but uh, playing a really tough, really motivated, uh, rolling uh, Detroit Lions team. Uh, so that that to me is more telling, more impressive than the you know how many times they did it during regular season matchups. Uh, totally, yeah. No, I, uh, it's interesting. You're saying the Forty Niners competition via schedule wasn't nearly as hard as the AFC. The Chiefs faced. I'd have to look at it to know, but like that's okay. what I mean is uh, you know you say you put up thirty plus points. Uh, what was it, ten times? Right, right. Um, some of those I'm going to be impressed with. Some of them not so much. You know. Mm-hmm. It just really okay. depends on who wow. you're playing. Yeah. All right. Shots fired. Um, yeah. Um, I don't. You know, Super Bowl. Right. Made the Super Bowl for a reason. Um, I guess you could say if you read between the lines, the the Niners could be potentially less battle tested, you know, on their way to the Super Bowl. Um, whereas the Chiefs, uh, well, you act like you've been there before. They've both technically been here, you know. But oh, uh, yeah. in this case, and recently, Chiefs have um, Chiefs have won. But right. the the Chiefs have a little bit more recent experience. Um, and and you're right. This time, man, uh, this is a. You know what? What makes this different from the other Mahomes Super Bowl appearances is how many games they played on the road to get here. Um, 
because I, I think before this year, Mahomes hadn't played a road playoff game unless you count the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, going on the road in Buffalo, uh, that was huge. Going on the road uh, against the Ravens, um, those are those were big wins. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Chiefs, I, I, I already mentioned this a little bit last week, I think. Um, the Chiefs, they just... They they look like the Chiefs from recent years past more than they look like the Chiefs from this regular season. Um, I don't I don't know how they did it, but uh, but it's uh, it's been impressive to watch. They sleptwalk through the the end of regular season, man. They sleptwalk through. They knew they were going to be here. I mentioned it <laughs> the whole season. Nobody listened to me. I said, you got to pick the Chiefs. I'll never pick against the Chiefs. And, well, maybe I will later. Who knows? I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anywho, going up, uh, going against this other stat, how about this one? Um, Kansas City Chiefs defense forced the Ravens to go four for 17 on third down. Had three takeaways in the AFC Championship game. Um, given that 49ers have four playmakers, two guys who would probably be third down machines between Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. Um how important do you think it is that they will convert? I mean, at least at a decent clip against this defense. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's the recipe uh, for the 49ers is they, uh, they need sustained drives. They need to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands and they need points at the end of their possessions, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, they need to get down the field and score points or it's going to be a real tough day for the Niners. Um, how about this stat? Uh, Twelve and one when Christian McCaffrey runs for more than seventy-five yards this season. Um, how can they get him going? What's what do you think is a good strategy to get Christian McCaffrey going? Well, I mean, Chiefs defense. I think I think the best way to get CMC going is to have him run off of uh, Trent Williams. Um, yeah. I think you need your biggest star on the O line to have his biggest game against your your biggest opponent and and that guy uh <laughs> he's he's like the hulk out there i mean you see him compared to some of these other players even compared to other linemen and it's just like how are you supposed to like shed that block i i, I don't know how it can be done um so yeah. uh, for me and it, it might it might be too obvious you know this is i'm not the the uh genius that kyle shanahan is um, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like he's your best bet at getting CMC to the second level where CMC can, you know, work his magic. Um, but if you let these chiefs, uh, down linemen, uh, bottle him up at the line of scrimmage, like that's, that's what they're going to try to do. And if they can, uh, and they make Purdy throw the ball, I'm not saying he can't, but if, if they make the 49ers one-dimensional throwing the ball, uh, that's a step in the right direction for the Chiefs' defense. So, so yeah, if I'm trying to get CMC going, um, I probably wouldn't get too fancy with with screens or or, or halfback passes. Uh, I'm wanting to to punish people with Trent Williams and, and get him going that way. Yeah, silverback gorilla baby. That's why he's out there. You know, absolutely belongs in a zoo, but he's playing football. How about that? <laughs> uh, um, uh, 
How about this 49ers defense? We haven't talked too much about them, but um, over the regular season allowed 79.6 QB, uh, quarterback rating, 6.4 yards per attempt uh, per, per quarterback serving against the 49ers defense. So um, pretty stingy. Um, you still think that's that's the benefit of a schedule they play in the NFC, or is it just what do you think? What do you think that's about? Well, I, I don't want to uh, lean into that take too hard. Um, ah, they they do right. play some good teams. I just don't feel like they play as many high caliber teams as you do on your way to the Super Bowl from the AFC side of things. Um, hmm. Uh, they've definitely got the talent. You know, I, I feel like uh, the 49ers defense in in recent years in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, um, it's it's almost like we never have yet really seen uh, this 49er defense this healthy at this point in the season. Uh, I feel like they've always got some some key starters out, usually in the middle of the field at that second level. You know, linebackers. Um, so, uh, so this could be, you know, this could be the difference maker is can they, uh, force the, the chiefs to, uh, play off script. Um, of course that's, that's something that almost benefits the chiefs with a, with a quarterback like Mahomes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll see a couple of coverage sacks, uh, a couple of, uh, force them to throw the ball away. Um, it's just going to be really hard, I think, to do that all game long. And I just see a little more big play. Not that the 49ers, the offense for the 49ers does have some big playability. It's usually yards after the catch or Christian McCaffrey just making everyone miss. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I still give an edge to the Chiefs in that category, the big playability. Um, and that's all Mahomes and, you know, pushing the ball deep downfield with his arm. Um, San Francisco's allowed four 100-plus rate games this year. Can you name one of the quarterbacks they allowed a 100-plus quarterback rating game to this year? Um, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Uh, was it Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins is on the list, baby. There we go. Let's get it. Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. This last one's going to surprise you. Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs. Oh, Joshua man. Dobbs allowed four 100-plus quarterback rating games this year. Um, you, you just mentioned it's important to keep them off script. However, that definitely benefits the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, is it is it going to impact the game at all if, if, um, but you know, because this is kind of an arbitrary stat, but um, if Mahomes is under 100, is that going to guarantee a victory or the game being close or it, it doesn't really matter? You know, what do you think? You know, I it could certainly happen that the Chiefs could still win with a sub 100 QBR rating. We're talking QBR, is that right? Yeah, yeah, sub 100 QBR for, for Mahomes doesn't necessarily mean. A, uh, a 49ers victory um, because, uh, you know, he doesn't get the same amount of uh, MVP conversation as CMC, obviously, but uh, Pacheco is, uh, am I saying that right, Pacheco? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, 
Pacheco or Pachenko. I can't, I can't remember, but you know, he, he, uh, he's got the, you know, big play potential for maybe not as often as, as Christian McCaffrey does, but, uh, you know, Andy Reed, he's a, he's a really good play caller. And I think if, uh, if the 49ers put too much infinite emphasis on bottling up Mahomes and getting coverage sacks, uh, it's only a matter of time before they start, you know, getting Pacheco going and then, and then doing play action off of that. Um, because they can burn you, you know, if, if they're, if they're going to cover the outside cover Kelsey and, and still bottle up Mahomes, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd see someone like Pacheco run for back to back, you know, 10 yard runs for first down on first down, uh, to really mm-hmm. tame that defense. Um, so yeah, for the 49ers, it's going to be tough. Like I've said, I think this is the healthiest their defense has been at this point in the season, uh, in a long time. So, uh, so it's, it's possible, but they're all going to, every single person on that defense is going to have to do their job, uh, really, really well to, uh, to, to force punts from the chiefs. Um, before we go back to the San Francisco defense, let's talk about the Kansas city defense because we briefly talked about it, but we can't, can't just, you know, scroll by, right. Chris Jones, you know, his impact is incredible. Um, 10, 11 and a half sacks in the year. George Karloftis breakout year, 10 and a half sacks, 47 tackles, forced fumble, uh, two sacks in the UFC championship game. Um, yeah. First team all pro for Chris Jones. Um, um, and two sacks in the AFC championship game sounds good, but what sounds even better is two sacks of Lamar Jackson. Cause that's what it was. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that might be, that's one of the toughest sacks to get in the league. Um, so, so yeah, I, that's impressive. Um, going against, I, you know, we said Trent Williams is really good. I don't know anybody else on that, that offensive line against for San Francisco. And you could say it's a scheme, uh, Scheme friendly offensive line. I mean, because they run the zone running scheme with, with Kyle Shanahan, but nonetheless, um, yeah, Kansas City defensive line probably one of the best in the NFL. They blitz at a thirty eight percent clip, um, and Brock Purdy against the blitz in, uh, in twenty twenty three one hundred thirty two point three quarterback rating, fifteen touchdowns, two interceptions. So let's take that in the context for a second here, Trevor. Let me look at this like this matchup of the San Francisco defensive uh San Francisco offensive line, right, and QB, and we say, well, Brock Purdy's pretty good against the, the Blitz. You know, Chiefs blitz at a very high rate. They have a good defensive line. Um you know, we talked about Trent Williams, but does anybody give credit to Purdy that he's actually really good under pressure? Like better than every quarterback in the league? And how does that how do we take that into context when we're looking at looking? Let me not into context, but how do how do we interpret how this matchup's going to go when we take that into con, into context? I'm going to say it again. Drink every time I say that. By the way, when we're looking at Brock Purdy versus the Kansas City Chiefs defense and this defensive line and the blitz rate, I think it's a pretty good matchup for San Francisco, right? I do too. I do too. And here's the thing: I, yeah. I'd actually I wouldn't be surprised if you saw at least. At times, that blitz rate might drop a little bit in this game because of how this uh, 49ers offense and Brock Purdy operate. 
Um, you know, Brock Purdy, he might have been the last overall pick, but he's still an Iowa State Big 12 quarterback, and uh, they're the best. Everybody knows. Um, but, uh, you know, it, what, what I've identified with Brock Purdy, what he is really good at is getting the ball out quick to the option who's, who's ready for it. And the other half of that is how great these guys are. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle. Um, they make the catch and then they get upfield. Um, and when you're when you're playing against a team that's blitzing hard, um, you know a four yard completion can turn into an 18 yard game real gain real fast. Um, so so that's what the Chiefs have to look out for is uh, you know if they're if they're blitzing aggressive and it's turning into completions for first downs, uh, I think they got to reevaluate their, uh, their blitz rate because right now, I mean, if it works, don't, don't fix it. But, uh, but Brock Purdy really has shown himself to be somebody who can get the ball out against a blitzing defense. And, and that's just one half of the equation. The other half is these, the people he's throwing it to make plays. Um, so, so that is the, uh, the challenge as I see it for the, for the chiefs defense. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge for sure. And, and let me tell you another guy who's going to be a challenge, um, for the San Francisco defense or just a guy in challenge in general, Travis Kelsey, man, 93 catches, 94, a down year by all, all, uh, approximations and statistics in his career, this regular season. Came out in the playoffs and balled out three touchdowns last two games, 70-plus yards each game. Of course, he's got his girlfriend cheering him on. Before we get to him, do you think she's going to make the game? She's in Tokyo, Japan, Trevor. This is the real storyline. Is she going to take her her (laughs) Boeing massive airplane with eight other people in it, and she's going to fly 2,500 miles with 25,000 Tons of fuel burns. No, you know, I, I think uh, many carbon emissions. Later. I think she's gonna miss the game because I think all the environmentalists have shamed her into like taking a sailboat back. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, she's not gonna make it. No. Um, uh, of all the criticism she faces, uh, the scrutiny on her uh, carbon footprint, I think, is a little bit missing the mark. Um, but that, that's a whole other, I, I mean, I, I really could do a podcast on, uh, environmental consciousness and responsibility. And, uh, I think the criticism she faces for that is a little unfair. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think she'll be there and I think that, uh, you won't have to wonder if she's there. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna know. <laughs> yeah. No question. No question. Travis Kelsey gets the uh, San Francisco defense mentioned earlier. Um, the matchups, right? You got Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, um, in that just wonderful linebacking core for the San Francisco 49ers. Holding, 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 my goodness, holding tight ends to an 86.3 QBR rate when targeted. Uh, fourth in the NFL, by the way. Against Sam Laporta last week, nine catches for 97 yards, however. And. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting stat there. I mean, so we talk about we're like, wow, they actually been really good in the regular season. 
And Sam Laporta just absolutely burned him last week, right? So um, battle of the tight ends. National tight end bowl might as well be, right? Right. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Uh, who has the edge? Who has the edge here in terms of matchup? You know, uh, when it comes to just pure tight end ability and everything that they do, including uh, protect the quarterback and block for the run, uh, I really do lean uh, – in no small way, I lean towards uh, George Kittle. I think he is the better all-around tight end in, in this uh, comparison. But it is a team sport. It comes down to play calling, scheming, who's throwing the ball, who's running the ball. And uh, in this situation, I have to give an edge to Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to get more production uh, and more success on his uh, targets than George Kittle will. Um and uh, yeah, it uh, it definitely just comes down to Patrick Mahomes' ability to extend the play, you know, shed the sack, and and make these insane uh, Har- Harlem Globetrotter esque passes. Um, and uh, and that that's why I got to give an edge to Travis Kelsey in the practical uh, matchup here. Um. <clears throat> Do you think Kelsey? Uh, yeah, Kelsey versus this 49ers team is this? Was this an aberration last week for Sam Laporta, or are we going to see a big, big yards from Kelsey this week? Well, I, I think I, I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, a heavy dose of Kelsey, but um, it, this is a chess game, and uh, if the 49ers want to shut down Travis Kelsey, I think they can but it'll be at the expense of, of leaving guys open on the perimeter and allowing the run game to get going, things like that. So, so they're really going to have to uh, balance and get a little lucky with their uh, defensive scheming to, uh, to shut down that Chiefs offense. On the flip side, George Kittle, uh, first-team All-Pro, Pro Bowl, 1,020 yards, um, led all tight ends this, this, this year and yardage in the NFL going against the chiefs defense um, held Mark Andrews four catches for 31 yards in the AFC championship game. You know, Mark Andrews very well. Oh yeah. I love Mark Andrews. Boomer sooner, baby. Um, Right. It was his first game back off of IR. Um, Not making excuses. Just want to look at the whole picture there. Um, So it's tough to say whether or not, I mean, it was his first game back and only game back this year. Uh, from IR, so we really didn't have uh, much of a trend or an idea as to how Mark Andrews' game was at that time. Uh, didn't look good against uh, against the Chiefs. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm gonna have to imagine that if they're gonna take out one target, it would be George Kittle because Samuel and Ayuk are gonna be tough to shut down alone. But, you know, let's talk about it, right? So Kittle, let's say he gets out because we assume Kansas City will game plan against him. You mentioned earlier, well, it's a, it's a game of chess. Um, you know, Debo Samuel, nine catches for 90 yards in the NFC Championship game. Ayuk had a couple big ones, the one that ricocheted off the cornerback's face mask into his hands. Um, what do you th- what do you, we, you know, we got Trent McDuffie, first-team All-Pro, Legereus Sneed. I don't know if he was first team All Pro. I'm trying to find out here. I think, but he was Pro Bowl, right? Second team All Pro. Okay. Um, 
Great year for my Uke. Obviously, Samuel's been banked up, but he's, he's going to play. Um, what do you make of those two matchups? You're going to have McDuffie on Ayuk and uh, Legereus Sneed on on Debo Samuel. I assume with some safety help over the top, of course. And then you got Kittle over the middle. Right. So I think uh, I think the safety help is going to be the deciding factor here, because um, I expect that that these guys uh, Ayuk Samuel uh, they're going to get open and they're going to make the catch. Um, and they could catch it deep, but most of the time they're catching it ahead of the sticks. And uh, and if the safety's there to make a good tackle, because we know they can break tackles and get lots of yards after the catch, and that's that's what I'm trying to take away if I'm the Chiefs defensive coordinator, is don't give up the big play. If they're going to make the completion, make sure that it stays where it is and that they don't break for another 38 yards up the sideline. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Steve, is Steve, Steve Spagnuolo is he the biggest? Is he the best uh, big game defensive coordinator ever? Because he, he he was defensive coordinator for both the Giants wins, and right? Both the Chiefs wins. Yeah. So I mean, you you make a really good case for him right there. Um, that's that's an aspect of the game that I that I spend very little time uh, evaluating and comparing. So it'd be hard for me to come up with. Uh, well, well, what about this guy? Um, but uh, but no, he's, he's got a very impressive uh, postseason and even Super Bowl resume, big time. Absolutely. Um, this is one interesting stat. We haven't talked a lot about this uh, 49ers uh, defensive line, but Nick Bosa, um, Javon Hargrave, uh, Eric Armstead, and Chase Young. Um, I, I mean, great names, right? Here's the only kicker. NFC Championship game. 29 carries, 182 yards, 6.3 yards per carry, three touchdowns they allowed to Jameer Gibbs and uh, David Montgomery. And you can make the argument, those well, Rob, those are two of the best running backs in the league, and that's the best offensive line in, in football. Wouldn't argue with either of those. However, still got gashed. This is still a pretty good Kansas City deep offensive line. No Joe Tooney potentially for the Super Bowl, however, and he was an all-pro this year. Um, but, you know, scheme heavy. We know what Andy Reid likes to do. We mentioned he's got the uh, the Denny's menu in front of him at all times, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, we, you know this kind of this. Would you say this 49ers defensive line is kind of overrated, given the the, the stats and the I mean impact? It's. I hesitate to say it uh, because they are really good, and and I feel bad to to criticize such great athletes, but. Uh, the 49ers defensive line, it's a good defensive line. I have yet to feel that they've played up to their potential. When you look at what they're working with, I expect a little more out of them than what I've seen. Um, and it's not too late. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do feel like, I feel like overrated is a strong word. But I understand where that sentiment comes from. I do feel like they have yet to re- reach... Uh, the full potential for that group. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, you know, this kind of reminds me of the matchup last year between Philly and Kansas City because we're like, whoa, Philly's got Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Josh Sweat and um, mm-hmm. Derek Barnett, right? And they had uh, what's Hassan Reddick. We're like, oh, my God, how are they going to block them? And then they did. 
Right. You absolutely. Know? Um, <laughs> yeah. and I, I was, I was very bullish on, on the, uh, uh, Eagles D line, especially, you know, they had future hall of famers like, uh, Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue as depth on that D line. And, uh, and yet they, uh, they were not able to be the difference maker, uh, when they were on the field, it was just incredible. Um, so, uh, a lot of that is, uh, play calling and, uh, offensive line schemes, but, uh, give a lot of credit to those players. The, uh, the Chiefs O-line, uh, as much as any other position group on that roster, they find another level in the postseason and in the Super Bowl. So hats off to them. Um, lastly, Kansas City 10-0 and this year when they scored 21-plus points. Um, you, you, you know, before we came on the pod, you mentioned this could be a really low-scoring Super Bowl, and I don't know if you'd be entertained by it. I don't know if you said that, but that's that's at least what I'm gathering. Being a therapist here, I can kind of see the feeling underneath the, the words, Trevor. You know, um, would you say that if if Kansas City doesn't score 21 points, they're not going to win, or is it just that it's likely that you know it'll be more competitive? You, I mean, because I I believe Kansas City will win, but we'll get in that a bit. Yeah, we'll get um, to that. Ten and zero and scoring 21 points. Yeah, what do you think about that? I I feel that's like. I feel like we could see similar uh, game strategies uh, from both teams in terms of, uh, you know, we want to possess the ball as much as we can, chew up clock, um, and and whether we come away with seven points or three points at the end of a drive, we're just trying to control the ball and put points on the board. And, uh, and that sort of, of game scheme... We could we could end up seeing more punting than we're expecting in this game. Um, I could see this game become a real defensive battle, and uh, both both teams trying to avoid giving up the big play on defense and trying to avoid uh, giving up the big mistake on offense. You know, what I mean, like we'd rather uh, take the sack or throw it away than than a turnover. You know, punt it, put them back. Let our let our defense go do their thing. Um, so, you know, I, I'm hoping for a, for fireworks. You know, I think most people are, but uh, I won't be uh, surprised or disappointed if we see a real defensive battle from both teams here, and it it could stay pretty low. I think, you know, you could you could I, I could see this being a you know a 17 to 14 outcome. Uh, I know it'd be shocking to a lot of people. It wouldn't be shocking to me, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm getting I'm getting more and more excited the more we talk about this to uh, find out what uh, what level of offensive success versus defensive success we see in this game because it could be uh, very defensive until and it might just open up, you know, midway through the third quarter when we see these teams see the clock starting to go the other direction and, you know, just, we just need to start putting some points up and, uh, start taking more chances that lead to uh, bigger plays. But, uh, yeah, I think starting out, as long as these defenses are doing as well as, as they can, uh, you could see an offensive strategy from either or both teams that is very conservative. Yeah, no question. So they kind of like make some adjustments and, based upon the way they're playing. Um, 
Last last one. 23 turnovers, right? Kansas City tied for 23rd in the NFL. 49ers defense, 28 takeaways, tied for 5th. Um, you know, we, we've, we've seen Mahomes be very conservative with the ball in the first three weeks of the playoffs. Um, I think that's probably even putting it lightly. He's been very, very, very conservative, you know. Um, not playing a lot of hero ball like he usually does. But I, there is some kryptonite with him being in the Super Bowl in the past. Um, first Super Bowl, right, through two interceptions, came back and won. Against Tampa Bay, through two interceptions, uh, lost. Last year against Philly, did he throw any interceptions last year against Philly? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. Um, which, was, which was also a bit of a surprise because that Philadelphia defense, they had uh, a bunch. I mean, they had a lot of takeaways that season. Uh, right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what which, which Mahomes we get and whether or not we get a different Mahomes in the second half than the first half. Right. Yeah, and you could say the two Super Bowls he won, right? Philly and, well, San Francisco, I guess, the first one. But the, and that yep. might be an aberration, I guess, at some point. Because he did come back and play really well at the end there. Um, but, yeah, man, he was a turnover machine in both those games. And, and I, mean, I think last year maybe he fumbled. I can't really remember. But I'm going to look that up real quick. Um, how important do you think it is to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands and into the defense here? I mean, in terms of... Does it going to matter because he's just so good at making plays, or what do you think? Well, I, and that? that I think uh, you know the more mistakes he makes, the more, you know, if he threw a couple of turnovers in the first half, I, I would expect that to impact uh, not only what Mahomes we see in the second half, but what Andy Reid we see in the second half, because uh, it would kind of force them to get aggressive, um, and I feel like sometimes that's what that Chiefs offense needs. Um, and sometimes they have to light the fire under themselves, put the pressure on themselves before they start playing uh, as well as they can. Um, and, and so I, I kind of, I'm not expecting big mistakes and turnovers, um, but that's kind of what I meant talking about going into the second half. If it's still very conservative, defensive, uh, lots of punting, uh, there comes a point in the, you know, towards the end of the third quarter where they're gonna have to start, you know, rolling the dice more, taking bigger chances, and that I think can be a very good thing, uh, especially for the Chiefs' offense. I think that they play better uh, under pressure, and they, they they just they find a way to make the tougher plays look easier um, when they have to. So it's gonna be interesting. Okay, well, it comes down to the big game, my friends. Um, time to call it. It's a one-and-a-half-point spread, and uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I think Kansas City will be playing white. Uh, we'll be wearing white, and San Francisco will be wearing red. There's a stat about that, the away team, quote-unquote. Uh, I think they're like almost, what, they're like a 90% winning percentage if they wear, wear the away team. Way colors in the Super oh, Bowl, the Super Bowl history, pretty interesting, right? One half point spread to San Francisco, over under forty seven and a half. Tickets as low as six thousand dollars, pretty pretty reasonable. Um, well, what do you call it, man? How do you call it? What do you think is going to happen? And well, what's your, I'll what's start by saying it's a little strange that the Chiefs are wearing their away jerseys since you know Las Vegas is kind of their home away from home. 
uh, shot fired. Um, but uh, uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I've thought a lot about this game for a couple of weeks now. Um, I'm ready to take the Chiefs with a one-and-a-half-point spread. I'm going to take them to win by three points. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. But, uh, but yeah, I like the Chiefs to win. I like them to beat the spread. And I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to take the under. I don't think this goes over 47 points. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's official. Chiefs are wearing the homes, by the way. That's more Mahomes like it. Homes. Yeah, that's yeah. more like it because, yeah. you know, they – they own the 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 Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, teams that wear the home jerseys are just three and sixteen in the last twenty Super Bowls. By the way, three oh, wow. and sixteen, ninety percent. Yeah, losing percentage. In the prior 57, 37 of the winners wore the white jerseys as well. So the prior thirty-seven of that. So, um. You picked Kansas City. I told you since the get-go I was never picking against Kansas City, and I will That's not right. pick against Kansas City this time. Um, it's over under 47.5. I'll go over. It's a spread 1.5. And, a half. and um, yeah, man, you, you got you to bet Kansas City. I think they're, they're um, you know, they're going to take it. And I think they'll beat the spread. I, I think they'll win. I'm not, I'm not sure how this game will go down. I'm going to – they've been so competitive. A lot of these Super Bowls have been so competitive over the last, you know, what? We haven't gotten a bad Super Bowl in a minute. Probably about no, they, 10 years. They've been, they've been 13 good years. recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know how Brock Purdy's going to perform in a game this big. Um, I'd imagine that the pressure might get to him. And if it doesn't and he wins, then he'll, he'll basically be an icon, you know, as far as I, I look at it with his undrafted football status and every or undrafted um, status and what have you. So, um, I'll say that we get a controversial call. That's what's going to happen. Um, some weird penalty is going to set up some good field position for Kansas City. They go down, and uh, Harrison Butker is 7-for-7 seven seven in the playoffs. I think he kicks a game-winning field goal. I'll say 27-24, Kansas City. I like it. I like it. Yeah. That's, that's what I got, man. What, what is your final score prediction? So my final score prediction, I'm going to go 24-21. to 21. Kansas City. Oh, okay. Okay. That's uh, slightly, yeah, 24, 20, slightly under the 47 and a half total. That's right. I think it, I think that 47 and a half is, is a well, well placed over under. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said earlier though, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a 17 to 10, 17 to 14 type of game, um, which is going to disappoint some people. Uh, a lot of people watching could care less about the, the final score or the amount of scoring. Um, but, uh, but man, the, after, after talking about these teams for an hour, I am really fired up about watching these two defenses. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it is a league where the, the defense often goes, uh, uh, with less, less notoriety than, than, than the offense. But, uh, I think, uh, I think defense decides the outcome here. Uh, Super Bowl MVP prediction. Well, uh, if you're taking the Chiefs to win, it's really hard not to take Patrick Mahomes as your MVP. Um, I mean, it's possible that somebody on the defense steps up and just has a more impressive stat line than Mahomes, uh, especially if it if it did go 
you know, both teams scoring less than 20 points, as, as I've mentioned, is possible, in my opinion. Uh, but no, if, if, I'm, if I'm putting money on who I think it is, it's going to be Mahomes. Okay. Um, Travis Kelsey gets married to Taylor Swift at the end? Or engage, gets engaged, do you think? Question mark? <laughs> do, do they even love each other? I have to ask this again. You know, do they even love know, each other? I, I'm, you know, people that listen to the podcast, you know what an optimist I am. Um, and, and my friends listening who know me well, you know what a romantic I am. Um, so I need to believe that the love is real. Um, I mean, it probably isn't, but I want to believe that it is. Uh, that's how I choose to live my life. Uh, I'm an optimist when it comes to things that don't directly affect me. I'm an optimist and a romantic, and I want to believe that these two couldn't love each other more, and they're going to spend their lives happily ever after, uh, and I'm never going to stop seeing it on NFL broadcasts. Got to love it. Got to love it. Um, Okay, I'm going to go with Super Bowl MVP, Um, Travis Kelsey. Uh, there you go. And, Very possible. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think he'll get engaged, but well, let me ask you this: what, Is this the last? Is this the last game we see Andy Reid coach? I think oh, that's a possibility. Man, uh, yeah. I haven't really heard that talked about. But like at this point, um, I mean, there's not a lot left for him to pile on to his Hall of Fame career. Um, so it's really kind of like. How does Andy Reid feel? Um, and that raises other questions too. Like, like if Andy Reid were to step away after this season, like, is he is he bailing on uh, Chiefs Nation? Is he bailing on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Um, man, that's uh, that's thought provoking to say the least. Uh, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and start next season with a new head coach that's that that's hard to picture but uh but it is possible because you know Andy Reid's getting up there in years uh you know it, it's it's always better to go out on a high note than than to be left out of the coaching carousel at the end of your career um so it's uh yeah that's interesting Rob I I haven't given that any thought until just just now so uh it's hard to say whether or not i think it's likely um but it's uh it's possible yeah he's he's done so much and and uh you know it's always easy for the fans to ask more of someone like that but you i mean you got to be happy that you got what you did from him uh man that that would really shake things up uh and and it would be Man, that that would be tough for Kansas City because we've already seen the the head coaching landscape really shake out. Uh, let me ask you this, Rob: Do you think mm. do you think Belichick would be in the running if they had to replace Andy Reid? Oh, there's no question. I mean, he's no one question. of the obvious names of no the people question. still available. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you look at the culture of that Chiefs franchise, first off, they have a GM that works very closely with Reed, so I don't know how that would work from a um, just, you know, that. But if he came in and said, 
I got Mahomes. I'll take a, it's Spagnolo too. I, I have no idea how he would work with Spagnolo, but um, yeah, Belichick comes in. You get Eric Bieniemy, an offensive coordinator, right? You slide him in you know, after he left from Washington, and um, I don't know how you fit in the, that that culture though. I just I don't see it. They're you know Hunts, and it's not like a lot of big personalities in there. Um, you put Belichick in. I, I heard. I see what you did there when you said. It's uh it wouldn't be like him to be left at the the altar as the the, the coaching carousel kind of carries on without you. That was a shot yeah. at Belichick. That was, that was a it shot. Was. I said, see yeah. what you did there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think it's. I I I I'm just speculating, but I think it's it's a decent chance if if Reed wins, I, I think he could be done. And I don't know if Belichick would be a good fit there, but I think it's possible that he would slide in, and why wouldn't that be interesting? If he won one with Mahomes, yeah. too. And what and would be next wow. for Andy Reid? Because I really hope that he would open up, like, his own burger joint slash steakhouse. Uh, I yeah, want, I, I, I w- think. I want to eat at Andy Reid's. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I think that would be the only route to go at that point. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. We'll have to keep, a look, keep an eye on it. I, I would be... You know, after next week, after our next show next week, you know, after this game, we're, I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about and things that we don't even anticipate are going to happen in terms of news storylines, you know, following the game. Obviously, we can't, but something even, I would say, just not even game related, you know, I think there'll be a lot. So, oh, yeah. You got any last words for the folks here? Oh, man. Uh, I. I love this part. Uh, I love this podcast. I always have such a good time doing this. And uh, and I don't care how much of a broken record I do sound like. This this is it. Don't don't be anywhere else on Sunday. Uh, don't miss out. Uh, be with be with the people you know. You're gonna have a good time watching the game with. Because uh, this is it. This is this is the end. Uh, it's. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a long time before we get uh, some good football again. So, you know, best of luck to you on Sunday. You know, try not to burn the wings. Uh, you know, have something shiny for the people that want to talk through the game and only watch the commercials. You know, that's that's something we got good at. You know, we deal with it every year. So, uh, best of luck to everyone. Uh, I hope you. Uh, Hope all your parlays hit, and uh, and it's just a really really good day of football that we can uh, you know hold on to through the uh, through the dark times ahead. Yeah, no question, man. Yeah, hold on to it. Find the best ass on the couch to sit on, you know, or sit your ass on the couch, whatever <laughs> your ass might face. Your might face your ass. What's the difference, right? So. <laughs> Um, find, find it, find your best snack or several of them, you know, get out your favorite Taylor Swift album. It's going to go down, you know, it's going to go down. So, um, how many, how many, uh, look what you made me do jokes. Am I going to be able to squeeze in before somebody notices what what I'm doing? Yeah, no question. (laughs) I'd be curious about what the over under on Jason Kelsey, like, just camera pans are to Tim and Taylor Swift. There's got to be at least, there's going to be at least a hundred if she's at the game. 
And Jason Kelsey's going to be all over the TV screen, which he's not even playing in the game. And he's still going to be, like, heavily featured in it, which is crazy. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, yeah. It is what it is. That, that family, they, they can't get out of the NFL any, any quicker, let me tell you. So, <laughs> and, any, uh, any last thoughts? You said everything you need to say. Do you want to say anything else before we get off? Um, you know, just, uh, I, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up. That's it. Uh, just, you know, okay. everybody uh, be responsible, be safe, and uh, go crazy. <laughs> cool. Well, enjoy the game, folks. Until next week, we'll be back with a, a full analysis of the game and all the aspects and probably DPIs, it should have been called. Until then, we're out.